The Six to Go podcast presented by Men's Sports. Joining me on the phone today, Damien Siebold. Siebes, how are you, mate? I am good, Tom. Mate, it was pretty embarrassing. I uh, I must admit, I uh, certainly didn't see that coming. Um, yeah, look, it, it was, mate. And again, I, I don't know. I don't know if like, embarrassing is the right term. I don't know what the right term is, but it just wasn't good. Um, we were outplayed, out enthused. And a number of the, the selections, I think, really need to be um, questioned. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to discuss that throughout the, the pod this half. I was talking to a colleague of mine today, Aaron Stevens, and he, he, ma- he made a pretty good point. It looked like Australia looked tired throughout the, throughout the first 20 minutes and then they just really could never recover from there. Do you agree? Yeah, we did. We looked flat. Like, I, I thought we looked flat. So, yeah, tired, flat, same thing, isn't it, really? Um, but, their their line speed really um, really got up and, and stopped any momentum. Like Tino was non-existent. Um, you know, Payne Haas still ran for seventy or eighty meters, but they got up and and stopped him in his tracks and really put some pressure on him. And and at the end of the day, that's probably what Queensland have done to him in Origin as well. Yeah, great point. Great point. I I thought that the stat that really stuck out the most to me was if you take a look at the starting thirteen for New Zealand. There were only two players in there, and that was Kieran Foran and Isaiah Papali'i, who didn't run for 100 metres. And um, and Papali'i had one of those games where I, I didn't realise that he didn't run for 100 metres, but he had one of those games that he was really impactful, whether it was running the footy or in, with his defence. He, um, he was hurting people. So, yeah, I'm not surprised at that at all. Well, Papali'i had 71 metres, and 40 of them were post-contact. So he was bending the line back whenever he got the ball. Yeah, he was. And you could, he had that intent about him. Uh, physically, with his defence as well, he, he really um, he really got stuck into us and, and probably had us having a bit of a look. Uh, I see a lot of people have been critical. And, and I know, you know, we'll go through it all, but a lot of people have been critical of our halves. And, and look, they, they weren't good at all. And they'd be, I'm sure they'd be the first to admit that they weren't good. However... It's really difficult for a half to put an imprint on the game when your forwards are getting dominated and you're not going forward. The, the same thing happened last week with um, New Zealand at Melbourne. Um, their forward pack you know, didn't really do much. Their, their back five didn't offer them much. So everyone was jumping up and down saying that Dylan Brown is overrated and Jerome Hughes is you know, in, in poor form. Well, you know, flip the, flip the script the following week and their forwards went forward and Dylan Brown was a arguably the best player on the field, and Jerome Hughes wasn't far behind him. I totally agree. Totally agree. I don't put much criticism on the halves at all. However, I I will put criticism on the Australian coaching staff. Uh, yeah. I, I thought that they made some serious blunders, and it's not that we should have seen that this coming, because in my opinion, Australia's never walked out in a test match being out talented on the paper like Australia's always got the most talent in in international football but a few key selection areas that in hindsight were wrong Uh, there's two two or three that really stand out for me um what well are you talking about the initial squad that was picked or the 17 because I've got problems with both I've got problems with both but let me hear yours first so let's start with the the squad itself how how Caelan Ponga doesn't get included in the squad just, you know, it baffles me. Um, 
I know he can only play fullback or or five eight, but at the end of the day, as if he couldn't do a running uh, or a, you know a ball playing lock role like what Nico did, I suppose, and, and probably do it a lot better. But we'll get to Nico shortly because it wasn't his attack which was the the downfall of of Nico; it was his defence. So that that's my first one. The second one is Bateman Best was one of the most you know. All things being fair, that one of the most left-field origin choices in a while from New South Wales, he was outstanding. And the back end of the, the year, he was almost the form centre in the comp. So how he doesn't get a start in the centres, um, a bare minimum in the squad, just really confuses me. I totally why agree. Got, why have we got Valentine Holmes playing on the wing when you know we're, we're clearly chasing a centre? Um, so we could put him in the centres and, and Hamaso would be much better suited on the on the wing. I think Hamaso was really lucky to make the squad to start with. I think Cobbo was really lucky to make the squad. Um, Dylan Edwards deserved his spot. He deserved to get an opportunity. Now, we've realised and found out that he's definitely not a winger, but I'm glad that he's going to go down as someone that did finally play rep footy because he deserves it. That's true. That's true. But the other points, and there's one other selection issue that I've got a real problem with and you can talk about James Tedesco all you want that's not the selection that I'm most critical of uh Reuben Cotter uh whilst I agree he should be in the squad and potentially the side is not a back rower I'm I, I, I disagree man I, I think he was lucky to be in the squad well he wasn't go. exactly hitting the world on fire but, but let's the elephant in the room is as if he is an edge back rower that's the point that's the point he in no world is he one of the best back rowers that Australia's got? And if he is, well, then we've got a serious problem in Australia with back rowers. But I could name four or five off the top of my head that should just go straight in over Ruben Cotter if you're looking for a back rower. Because we well, we spoke about it as well before the first test, that we couldn't believe that um, he'd been picked over the top of Jake Trevojevic anyway to start with in the, in the 17. Well, that's... You know, Jake Trevojevic isn't going to play on an edge, and, and obviously we miss Cam Murray, and Cam Murray's proven that he can play on that edge, so I don't mind that selection at all to begin with. But there was no one else, was there? Well, that selection now makes sense, picking him over Jake, because they were going to play Reuben Cotter on an edge. But then you, if you, if that's the way of thinking, then how is that your solution? Well, game one, they didn't play him on an edge. They played him through the middle. And that's where he should play, shouldn't he? That's, well, of course, of course. Um, yeah, but I just, I just personally would have had Trevojevic, and we spoke about it. Would have had Trevojevic in the team from from day one. I, I would have had Trevojevic in the team over um, Tino and Lindsay Collins for as good as Lindsay Collins has been. Um, there's one thing that's been proven over nearly ten years, not ten months, is that when a big game is on, Origin Test footy. Trevojevic is a winner. He finds a way to, you know... There's no way on earth that their middles would have been rolling through us like they were if Trevojevic was playing. He would have cut someone in half, stopped the momentum, and well, then started the... T- well, I actually think that we're talking about the wrong guy being dropped if you're talking about just Jake Trevojevic, because really the guy that should have been dropped for Jake is Nico, because the bench construction I had a problem with as well. And we've seen yeah. we've seen that construction fail for New South Wales. Uh, and the fact that you cannot carry a hooker and then a outside back, really, on the bench. Like, it just doesn't work. And particularly going up against this New Zealand team, to me, they should have had three big boys coming off the bench. 
well, the and and this is turning into a, and I suppose when we lose thirty nil, we can afford to be a bit negative. Um, have you seen a worse display from from our hookers? Look, no, it was pretty in, bad. Like themselves personally, like Harry Grant. Have you seen him play a worse game? Ben Hunt was he was way off early. It was pretty bad. I, I, I suppose it was just one of those days and. And credit where credit's due, New Zealand were very good and they deserved it. But it's just 30 nil. We're just not used to that, are we? It's not something that we've we've experienced before. No, and the the Katoni Stag selection is is quite perplexing over Bradman Best. I don't know a world where you can make the argument that Bradman Best doesn't deserve Australian selection over Katoni, particularly this oh, year. Like if you go back three or four years, yeah, maybe. I agree. The, the one thing with Katoni was though, in the final, at least he had a go. He he did get in there and he. You know, he was he was putting himself in the game. So that's my criticism of Hammer. I don't think he put himself in the game on in that final at all. James Tedesco, has he played his last rep game? No. Should he play his last rep game already? Because no. I, I no. particularly for Australia, right? Particularly for Australia, I think he, the he end may, is done. He may sorry to interrupt you, man. He may have played his last test. Maybe, maybe, you know, because at the end of the day, Callum Ponga's got, got to be putting some pressure on him. Um, but, the, yeah, oh, no, I don't think he has. The only way he's played his last rep game is if he retires from rep footy. I think There's that, no world that Dylan Edwards is better than him. No, 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 and I wouldn't suggest that, but I think Callum Ponga and Reese Walsh, one of those two, either of those two are playing better than James Tedesco at the moment. Oh, that's the... uh, oh, Yeah, but my, my question is, Ponga, yes. Yes, I would trust Ponga. I don't know if I could trust Walsh yet. Well, even even then, you've got one and a half playing better than yeah. James Tedesco. And but, but, but regardless, Latrell and Turbo are better fullbacks. That's right. In my mind. In my mind. Yeah. Like maybe not Ponga at the moment. Ponga is in red hot form. But I'm also going at runs on the board, proven. You know, they've they've done it before. And consistently too, not just, you know, a couple of times. And and that's why I, I, I think that Tedesco... There's no way that, unless he retires, that's his last rep game. Just on the Kiwis, Jerome Hughes, I thought, was outstanding. He had a kick out early, but apart from that, he is... He went, was good. He was really good, wasn't he? He was good. Um, he definitely um, he definitely played better. Um, but again, they, they had room, they had the ability to run the footy more. Um, you can tell with, with Hughes and um, Dylan Brown... As soon as early on, one of their first touches, when they show, you know, Hughes comes off the right, um, Brown comes off the left, and they bite into the line, you know that they're on. Yep. And they both did that early, didn't they? Yep. And that that right foot step from Jerome Hughes is lethal, and and Dylan Brown playing superbly as well. I just want to touch on... (laughs) I've got an argument to make with you. I know you're going to disagree with me, but I think the golden boot should go to Lindsay Collins. Now, I know that the weekend was not a great display for any Australian player, but you'd be tough-pressed to make a case to me, apart from Ponga with the stretch, that yeah, there, there wasn't... Ponga's ineligible, mate, because he, he hasn't played... Oh, of course. Uh, he hasn't played rep. Of course. Yeah. But the you would be tough-pressed to make a case to me that there wasn't a more valuable person to their club side this year. And, that, and for Queensland, uh, Lindsay Collins was invaluable. Now, we, we would need to, to double-check, but I don't think club form comes into it. I don't think it plays a part. Well, just rep football. All, I think it's all based on test footy. Yep, well, there you go. 
So uh, if, if you just take the rep game, so who who would your contenders but, be? But, but I'm saying Origin doesn't count. Oh, I'm okay. Purely test footy. That, and remember, there was the World Cup, so I don't know. We, we could be shocked. Yeah. Okay, well, that's that's another debate then. Who who would be your player of the year then? I don't, well, I'd have to have a bit of a think about it. Um, you get what I'm saying, though. Yeah, I do. I get what you say. 100% I get what you say. Um, but, again, with the golden boot, I'm just not 100% sure, but... I do, as far as I can remember, and I'm just quickly trying to Google it. Actually, um, actually, I think it does take into consideration club form because a Super League winger won it, won it a few years ago who scored, you know, 25 tries or whatever on the wing, and we all come out and we're like, what yeah, the but hell again, happened Yeah, again, look, I think he scored a truckload of tries, test footy as well. Right. Uh, I'm just Googling it, and we'll, uh, we'll get an answer to that very shortly. Who, so who else? Like I know, yeah, Lindsay Collin. Obviously, he he he's played really well. Um, if you just, if you're just taking into consider rep football, and you were to include Origin in that, then oh, uh, I know no Australian had their best game on the weekend, but the hammer in Origin was superb as well. And uh, to to combine that at the back end of the year, I thought he did some really yeah, great things. So, sorry, I just I'm looking at it here the best international international player. Um, so I'd have to have a, a really, you know, quick look at it properly. But, yeah, I think it is just in test footy. Just in test football. Okay. Yeah. That way. So th- that would actually bring people like people like Charns into it, and I think James Fisher-Harris probably gets a mention as well. Um, yeah, I suppose Joey Manu, because he, he had a really good World Cup, didn't he? Yeah, really good World Cup. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. I... It's it's very tough for an Englishman to win Golden Boot winner then, isn't it? Because they play about, they play about two games a year. Um, yeah, I, I suppose they play. They always play a couple of games against France. They always play a couple of games against um, against Wales. Um, speaking of England, and I know we'll, I hope we get there after we finish talking about the Aussie yep. and New Zealand games. But um, yeah, three nil. So I reckon we should, it's, it's worth touching on that in a moment as well because. They really played good footy. I, I watched actually all three of those games. Um, yeah, it was good. So, look, okay, let's say Lindsay Collins, probably as IEO from the Aussie team. Um, they're probably the two that, that stand out for me off the top of my head. Um, I can't think of too many other guys. But, I mean, Pat Carrigan, he didn't really play that well in this series. He did go all right in the World Cup. Um, yeah, there's probably not too many others, is there? Probably not. It's probably oh, a small. Cam, Murray. Cam Murray's a man. He's he's been he's been outstanding. Yep. The first player in history to score six tries in six games, and I know that that's not everything, but um, it, he, he's my tip, Cameron Murray, for for, for Golden Boot. If it's an Aussie, um, if it's a, a New Zealander, James Fisher Harris or um, Joey Mardo. Fair enough. Fair enough. There's a there's a couple of guys I do want to point out in that. England team who were just phenomenal. Um, the centres, Ben Curry, Harry Newman, I thought were outstanding, and yeah, and uh, John Bateman, uh, he was superb, wasn't he? He was. Their, their um their whole forward pack was was very good. Um, yeah, you know, and Wellsby is a star. He is a superstar. Yep. I think um I think he would 
be great over in over here in the NRL. He would really cause some some damage in the right team. Like he couldn't come over and um, do what he does for the Tigers or the Dogs. But if he was put into a, a good system with good players around him, he would be a superstar. Totally agree. Totally agree. I, I think, however, this was a really disappointing moment for Tonga. I thought I thought they were a great chance to win this series and to not pick up a game. Geez, pretty disappointing. I think we underestimate England a lot too, mate. Like that's fair. You know that they're always there about. They're always competitive with us um, in a three-test series. It, it always is. is it's a battle. Um, you know, in World Cups, they they seem to. You know, they they probably. They probably should have beat us out here in, was it 2019? Was that the one that was here or was it the one before? Regardless, they should have probably won that one. Yep. And then remember the semi-final when they had New Zealand on toast and one of the Burgess boys shot out of the line. Yes. And uh, about 10 seconds to go, Sean Johnson's bang off the left, stepped a few and, and scored. So they're, all, they're better than what we think they are. Yeah, 100%. Uh, there's good quality game, hey, because like, Tonga had a good side. Yeah, I I think I think Isaiah Katoa had a good series, uh, even though they didn't win a game. I th- I think that there is a lot of promise there for him, and I, I I do think that there is a genuine first grade half in there. Yeah, but definitely. Yeah, he goes he goes good. Um, I, I thought that. Um, well, I thought the Tongas forward pack probably would have been a little bit more dominant, but that's where I mentioned before how good England's forward pack were, and and they held their own and and dominated those games. So. No, they, they were good. Absolutely. I think it's him, the, the big prop. He'll come off the bench for him. He's been doing it for a decade, and he still looks he still looks good. Yeah, absolutely. There's a few there's a few old heads there in that England side that just go really well for them when it comes to international football. Daryl Clark's another one, the dummy half. He's a very good player. Yeah, and that's where going back to us. That's where I think that's where I think we went wrong. We had old heads, but you know potentially not in the positions that we needed them. Like we had old an old halves, we had an old fullback, I had an old starting hooker. But, you know, our props our props were essentially young and inexperienced. Um, we had a back row playing out of position on, on one edge and look a young bloke who Liam Martin, I think we both agree that he's outstanding and you'd hate to stand in front of him or all <laughs> right. He looked fatigued, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and understandably so for any Penrith player. Yeah, but in saying that, Desire Young was our best forward. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It'll be interesting to see where they go from here, but we will continue our club reviews over the next few weeks. There's, oh, geez, Steve, there's a lot of clubs, isn't there? I think there's 15 to go. But there we, is. We'll get through them. Uh, thanks very much, Steve. Appreciate your time. Thanks, mate. This has been the 60O Podcast presented by Mint Sports, and that is full time.